It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Albert Schweitzer once said, One who gains strength by overcoming obstacles possesses the only strength which can overcome adversity. Folks, I'm Rick. (laughs) I forgot my name there for a minute. (laughs) And this is not your (laughs) typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. That I know. This (laughs) podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. All right, folks, talk to us anytime, because sometimes we have a hard time talking. (laughs) Talk to us anytime at ChristianQuestions.com or our social media channels. Download some of our after-episode extras, such as our thorough Secret Rewind show notes and our bonus Bible study questions, available on our individual episode pages. And look for new videos for all ages every week at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what are we talking about today? Well, we're in our third week of our exclusive Contradictions podcast series. This week's episode, Paul or Matthias, who was the real 12th apostle? Our theme text is found in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. All right. Paul or Matthias, who was the real 12th apostle? So look, for every Christian, Jesus is the example, leader, and fulfiller of our faith. We continually gain inspiration from his perfect example and his unselfish practice. When we think about a less-than-perfect Christian example, most of us tend to go to the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul. Both these men showed us how to achieve spiritual victory through imperfection. They both had failures, they both had regrets, they both had doubts— and yet they were faithful. These challenges endear them to our hearts and give us courage to work through our own imperfect experiences. Knowing this, it can be hard to believe that there are many who see the Apostle Paul as an interloper, one who hijacked the gospel message for his own devices. So coming up in today's podcast, what do you do when you have a fundamental biblical belief that the Bible itself seems to dramatically contradict. This is the real issue that we're going to be facing in today's episode. How does it look if Jesus specifically tells us to do something and we do something else? This is the potential problem we look at in segment two, only it has to do with Jesus' apostles and not us. Where Were the apostles specifically called to be apostles, or were they chosen out of a large group? We take this apart in segment three. Does Paul really fit into the mold of how the other apostles were called because everything about his experience was totally different? Find the answer to that in segment four. And finally, what if Paul actually contradicted his own claim to apostleship in his own words? That's what critics say he did. Well, did he? Find that out in our final segment. Rick, these accusations begin with disregarding the authenticity of Paul's apostleship and Matthias, the replacement for Judas being appointed as the 12th apostle long before Paul's conversion. 
So we've got the issue, Paul or Matthias, who was the real 12th apostle? And because it's contradictions and because there's an issue, we had to bring Julie in. Okay, Julie, hi. Hi. Good to have you back. <laughs> okay. Well, we're working through a four-part series on contradictions about the apostle Paul. And parts one and two were about things Paul said or did that required a second look. And part four next week, we're going to dive into Paul's teachings and the allegation by some that they contradicted what Jesus taught. But today is a special foundational program. We're going to discuss a debate that's going on within the Christian community as to whether or not it was Paul or Matthias as the 12th apostle. And before this study, I had no idea this was even up for debate. I assumed everybody knew Paul replaced Judas. So this was a really great personal lesson for me to know why I was believing something, not just because I was told or it's what I grew up with. So three of the most common complaints about Paul. Number one, though he was a contemporary of the apostles, we have no record of him actually meeting the man Jesus. Two, all of Paul's theology comes from his own revelations or visions, so we have to take his word for it. Three, there is no written record of either God or Jesus confirming Paul's apostleship. They say that we only have Paul himself saying he's an apostle and a claim written by his friend Luke in the book of Acts. And the Bible never says Paul was the 12th apostle, but some say it does say Matthias was. Okay, there's a lot there and a lot more than you might think. So we're going to tear into this thing with all kinds of enthusiasm because this is a great subject to really talk about and understand Scripture. So let's get started with a soundbite, from, and it's from YouTube, Acts 1, 12 to 26, Matthias replaced, replaced Judas. So this particular soundbite is about the meaning of apostle. Now, you know, some of you think that Paul replaced Judas, and you know, Paul is one of the apostles, but you know the word apostle means sent one, okay? So, yeah, we got the 12, we got the 12 chosen disciples, we got the 12 chosen apostles, but there are many other apostles. You know, by, the, by definition of the word, everybody that's sent of the Lord is an apostle. I mean, you can say Isaiah was an apostle of the Lord. You can say, you know, Moses was an apostle of the Lord, okay? So just because Paul calls himself an apostle doesn't mean that he's one of the 12. Okay. And, you know, he brings up a valid point. And, you know, throughout this podcast, I'm going to be the pro-Matthias voice okay. that's out there so that you'll, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll bring you up some of the things that, that, that these Christians are saying about Matthias. But here, you know, we, we put all the scripture references in the CQ Rewind show notes for our listeners, but I never realized there are a lot of people in the New Testament referred to as apostles. And that includes Barnabas, Andronicus, Junia, Apollos, James, the Lord's brother, Silas, Timothy, Titus. They're all called apostles, but they're not what Revelation 21.14 refers to as the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So maybe Paul fits into this other category of apostles. Okay. We shall see, and incidentally, Jesus himself is called an apostle in Hebrews chapter 3, I believe. Which is kind of interesting because that he is. because he sent, you know, and that, and that we'll, we'll we'll develop that. Okay, so in Acts chapter one, verses fifteen to twenty six, and folks, if you're following along in your Bibles, these are key verses for us in today's podcast. In Acts one fifteen to twenty six, it is the only event 
the only one recorded between Jesus ascending to the Father after the 40 days after his crucifixion and, and resurrection and Pentecost. So the only event recorded between the 40th and the 50th day is what we're about to read, Acts 1, 15 to 17, then we're going to skip to 20 to 26. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons were there together and said, Brethren, the scripture has to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it, and let another man take his office. Okay, so this is in between Jesus ascending to heaven and Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes, and Peter stands up in a room with 120 disciples and says, we understand scripture that Judas fell away and needs to be replaced. He's being very articulate about this and very plain and very straightforward. And he's quoting from two different Psalms to support this claim. So now let's read through the rest, verses 21 through 26. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forth two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you shall cho- you have chosen to occupy the ministry of apostleship, for which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots from them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. Okay, so now, Jonathan, before you go, there's a couple of words we want to define here, but just, so this event says that the apostles really believed it was important to appoint a twelfth apostle because they were missing one, and they had scripture to back that up. So two words, Jonathan, the word for become a witness, and then what apostleship actually means. Sure, well, witness is uh, a witness, literally, um, judicially or figuratively, uh, genitive case, by analogy, a martyr. And for the word uh, commission or apostleship, it means commission. Okay. And, and something very important here uh, with the nation of Israel. The history of the Jews, number 12 is very important to them. Think about the 12 tribes of Israel. And now they were the 12 apostles, they're down to 11. That really means something special to them, doesn't it? Yeah, so need, you need 12. Okay, <laughs> you know, that's it's real... a complete number, isn't right, it? Right, right. Okay, so let's just go through the, the basic points of what happened in this Acts 1, what we read was 15 to 17 and 20 through 26. Julie, why don't you just start us? Well, <clears throat> it was Peter who led the decision to find this 12th apostle, and it was to fill a necessary and prophesied void. And you remember he said, let this homestead meet made desolate, let another man take his office. These are particular Psalm 69, 25 and Psalm 109, 8 that Peter was quoting from. And somehow he connected the dots that these Psalms meant replacing Judas. Um, and I think, Rick, you had quoted Luke 24 to me. Do you have that? Luke 24, 44? Yeah. You know what? Let, let's hold that for a little bit later. Okay. okay? Because that, that helps us understand how he got to that point. And it's a fascinating okay. thing, but we'll, we'll bring that up a little bit later. 
The next point Peter brought out is they looked for one who had been with Jesus throughout his entire ministry, but none of them were with him his entire ministry, were they? Well, you know, it's hard to say whether some of them may have been. We don't know, but we know for sure that Peter, uh, P- Peter, James, and John, or, or Peter and his brother Andrew, rather, we know they weren't because Peter, and we'll get into this a little bit later, took a long time to come and follow Jesus. So it's interesting, they're looking for someone who's been with Jesus for his whole ministry. That's kind of a a requirement that they're putting out there. Julie, what's next? They also looked for someone who would be what they're calling a witness to Jesus's resurrection and to be a minister and an apostle. And the other point, they prayerfully and sincerely cast lots for an answer. And out of those two candidates, they put two candidates towards the Lord, Matthias was chosen. And that last verse 26, Jonathan read said, he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, some say this is the plain answer. The Bible clearly says Matthias was added to the 11. So is our podcast over now? Uh, It's (laughs) hardly begun, sister, hardly begun. Uh, just, Just some commentary from Albert Barnes, Julie, why don't you go through that? Well, casting lots was common among the Jews on important and difficult occasions, and it was natural that the apostles would resort to this. So thus, David divided the priests by lot in 1 Chronicles 24.5. The land of Canaan was divided by lot in Numbers 26 and in Joshua 15. And the CQ Rewind bonus material will have several other examples listed, so go to our program notes there. And, you know, those Christians who believe Matthias shouldn't have been chosen in the first place— like like we do, point to the fact that the resurrected Jesus personally called Paul, and therefore Paul was clearly meant to be a 12th apostle who would complete the original group. But the main counter argument is there were about 120 brethren here in that that what we what Jonathan just read, who all specifically prayed to God to reveal his choice in Acts 124. They said, Lord, Peter said, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over the apostolic ministry. Of course, they only gave the Lord two choices. They didn't really leave the option for it to be neither. But that's what one who believes that Matthias was the one would come back and say. You know, they they prayed. They did what they were supposed to in the Old Testament by casting lots. Therefore, it's official. So this is not a doubting of sincerity or a doubting of uh, of, of wanting to do God's will. That's for sure. What we want to try to find out is what is the right thing in this circumstance. So this is certainly an important question. Are we going down the road of saying the apostles were wrong? Can we even hint at saying the apostles were wrong when they had lots of Old Testament support? Our YouTube channel has a lot going on. Go to ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Featuring new releases every week. Check out our playlists like CQ Kids, Moments That Matter, and CQ Bible 101. Plus, we have even more new series content planned to roll out soon. So stay tuned at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. To have integrity in observing this event, we need to acknowledge several resounding truths. First, all 11 apostles participated, along with over 100 others. Uh, um, In the Old Testament, casting of lots was often used to determine God's will, and they were sincere and prayerful. So you put all this together, Julie, what you were saying before is, how, how could all of this have been wrong? You know, it sounds like it's, 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 it's utterly sincere, and they just want to do God's will. And nobody is doubting any of that. So what do we do? 
let, let's begin by looking for Jesus' instructions to them. And let's, we're going to do this in two parts. Let's begin by looking at his instructions to them before his crucifixion, and then in a few minutes we'll get to his instructions to them right before he was raised up to heaven after the 40 days. So Jonathan, let's go to uh, John chapter 14, 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, it will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Okay, this is about the Spirit, and Jesus, this is, remember, the night before his crucifixion, and he said the Spirit is going to come. The Spirit was in many ways a replacement for Jesus because they had him to guide them all the time. He took great pains to explain that he was their guide and that the Spirit would serve as a guide and as a reminder of his words when he was gone. So Jesus is giving us a sense that the Spirit will be the thing that you need to keep you on the straight and narrow way. Now we go a couple of chapters further. These are almost the final words of Jesus to his followers that night. This is in John 16, 12 to 13. We normally read from the New American Standard Translation. Instead, we'll be reading from the Concordant Bible. Still, much have I to say to you, but you are not able to bear it at present. Yet whenever that may be coming, the spirit of truth, it will be guiding you into all the truth, for it will not be speaking for itself, but whatsoever it shall be hearing, will it be speaking, and what it is coming, it will be informing to you. So, uh, so the, go ahead, Julie. No, go the, ahead. Well, this is the last part. This is part of his last conversations with the apostle before he dies, and this is going to mirror his last words before his ascension in Acts 1-8 that we're going to read shortly. Right, right. So, but the point is, he's making a big point on the last night before he's crucified and everything gets into chaos to tell them, don't worry, God's Spirit is coming, it will guide you. And when it comes, when it comes, this is what he says, he's explicit, when the Spirit comes, the guidance will start. Now, these were among Jesus' most important last words of encouragement to them before his crucifixion. Now, before we go any further, Trish uh, has come in and has got a comment, our program observer and my dear wife. I just wanted to throw this in the mix um, with what we were saying before. Sarah gives Abraham Hagar because she was barren. And, uh, you know, they were told that he was going to have the promised seed. So Ishmael is born, and Abraham asks if Ishmael could be the seed when he's told that Sarah is going to have a child. And he says, well, can't Ishmael be the one? God says, no. He cannot be. And it's interesting. God never condemns them for doing that. He never um, ostracized them. Actually, Ishmael is actually given a blessing. Right. So I just wondered if that was a similar picture, you know, of thing, people going, trying to fix God's this problem. They're kind of <laughs> running ahead and say, let me do it this way. And God says, no, that's really not what I had in mind. You know what? That's an excellent, excellent example. And what we're going to do with that is we're going to hang on to that and bring that back later because that really is something very significant here. All right, Julie, um, let's keep yes. keep it moving forward. We'll come back to that. All right. So you're saying that waiting was the right thing to do, even if it seemed like choosing a replacement apostle should be done right away. But why not use casting lots as the interim until they did receive the Holy Spirit? 
And I think that's what this next soundbite is going to bring out. Okay, and this next soundbite comes from, is Paul supposed to be the 12th apostle from New Life of Albany Church? Yes, I think Matthias was in fact the 12th apostle and the disciples got it right. And the reason that they cast lots, and we don't cast lots today, even though a lot of people do, believe it or not, is because they had not received the Holy Ghost. Now the Spirit is supposed to lead and guide you into all truth. So here's how the pro-Matthias camp would answer, that they hadn't you know, while, while Pentecost hadn't yet occurred, they already received some measure of the Holy Spirit in John 20, 22, and 23. And this is when Jesus breathed on them right before the doubting Thomas account. And he had said, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. So they kind of did have some of the Holy Spirit. So what was wrong with this casting lots? Okay, let's back up a minute because I would challenge that they had some of the Holy Spirit at that point. Okay, when we go to that John scripture, and uh, we'll, we'll be quoting parts of it later on, but let's, let's focus on this. This is when Jesus appears to them one of those times during the 40 days after his uh, crucifixion and before his being raised up to heaven. And he appears and he says, peace uh, be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and so forth. And then he says, peace be with you again. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Everybody, when they quote the defense of, well, they were given the Spirit, forgets to quote that part. And, and I'll tell you, tell you why that's important. And then when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did they receive the Holy Spirit at that point? Now, Christians can have very differing perspectives on this. I don't believe they did. And here's why. I think Jesus had appeared to them and said, I'm going to be sending you. And the reason that I think it was a essentially a prophetic look at a short time from then, was in Matthew chapter 10, long before this. Remember when Jesus sent out the 12 to preach? He sent them out before he sent out the 70, and when he sends out the 12, he had given them instructions. And he says in Matthew 10, verse 5, don't go in the way of the Gentiles, don't enter any city of the Samaritans, uh, go to the lost sheep of Israel, so forth and so on. Then he continues his instructions to them down in verse 16 and says, Behold, I send you out of sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent of doves. But beware of men, they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as the testimony to them and to the Gentiles. That didn't happen. That was a prophecy. He said, I'm sending you out now as a picture of how I'm sending you out later. He gave them instructions for being sent then, and then he showed them what was going to happen after they got the Spirit and they were being sent out. I think that in John chapter 20, those verses, Julie, I think that's what it's referring to. And I think I send you out. Remember, they were told not to go anywhere between the Ascension and Pentecost. They were essentially supposed to be landlocked for 10 days. So it couldn't have been applicable to them at the moment, but it was applicable to them once the true Christian church actually started at Pentecost. Does, does that make sense? So, I mean, in other words, they weren't, they weren't doing what the Spirit was going to be giving them. They weren't doing it now. They weren't forgiving sins right. and retaining sins. That was something that was going to happen right. after Pentecost. Right. And just like in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus is talking in the present tense but means the future, in John 20, he's talking in the present tense but means the very near-term future. So no, I don't think they had that measure of the Spirit. I think that that's a, a misrepresentation of what that Scripture actually is. 
Okay, so and again, Christians differ on that. I get it, but th- that's a that's a, a perspective here. So let's let's get back to this now. Jesus, after he was raised, before we were talking about his instructions about the Holy Spirit before he dies. After he's raised and seen of his followers over that 40-day period, he's again parting. He again instructs his disciples in a similar fashion to his pre-crucifixion teaching. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, and look at what he says very specifically to them at this point. And then we're going to relate it to the Matthias-Apostle-Paul controversy. And this is from the King James Version. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. So again, you have Jesus saying to them, wait for the promise of the Father. They're not being sent. They're being told to wait for the promise of the Father. And he says, John baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit very soon. This is an important connection. John baptized Jesus with water, and Jesus' own ministry didn't start until he was baptized. Similarly, their ministries, the apostles in particular, would not begin until their Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus continues, going on in the next few verses, and verifies the beginning of their mission. And it starts with the Spirit. Jonathan, back to Acts 1, verses 6 through 9. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and ye shall be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. You know, and I think a real key in these verses is again, and, and, and think about this. This is, like, this is like moments before he's raised. He says, but you will receive power after the Spirit has come upon you. So it's giving us the sense that there's something you have to wait for. And so, Julie, for those of us on the side of, no, the Apostle Paul is the 12th Apostle, we look at these things and say, the obvious, obvious instruction from Jesus, both before his crucifixion and before his ascension, was wait for the Spirit before you do anything. So, um, let's go a little bit further now. Peter, though, let's go back to the Matthias issue. He is addressing an important need. The question is, was his timing appropriate? So, uh, Jonathan, back to Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, because Peter makes a very important point here. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Become a witness, just like Jesus said to them, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So when the, when the apostle Peter says we need this 12th apostle, he needs to fulfill that obligation of becoming a witness. And Rick, that made me think of um, King Saul and King David. There was a point in time where there was a lag of leadership. It, it just, it, it didn't start and, and stop perfectly. 
And I'm thinking maybe Peter just ran ahead uh, before he should have, because it's not necessary that the 12th had to be picked then. What do you, what do you say? Well, and I, and I think that you, you've got a point there. And just like Trish said before with Hagar and Ishmael, you know, Sarah, perhaps, okay, promised seed. I'm an old woman. This has gone on a long time. No results. Got to do something. And I, my, my tendency is to look at this and say, you know, you get the intensity of the need because they see the scriptures and so forth. But Jesus was very specific. And we need to make sure that we follow things in the appropriate fashion that Jesus lays out for us. Jesus ascended to heaven after 40 days. The day of Pentecost was the 50th day. In between, and during that 10-day period, this issue comes up for good reason. There is a void. There's no question. But the, what are we supposed to do with it? Okay, Jonathan, what's our potential lesson here? Because something is legitimate, logical, and needed does not make it necessary right now. God's timing is above ours, and we always need to wait on his providence for direction. See, waiting on God's providence for direction is, I can't say how critical that is. And again, the Sarah example is a really a good one. You've got to wait because God sees things in his own time, in his own way. It's so important to be sure that our spiritual footing is on the firm foundation of God's providence. Were there practical differences between the call to discipleship and the call to apostleship? It's been a privilege and exciting interacting with our listeners all over the world. Reach out to us anytime at ChristianQuestions.com. In addition to always continuing the conversation on our website, in social media, and our YouTube channel. Learn more about becoming a Christian Questions ambassador. There are several impactful ways you can help us continue to spread the gospel message. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and click on Support CQ in the top navigation menu. Join our incredible team of volunteers and find out more. Now back to Rick and Jonathan. To state that every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle, is a simple place to start. It's important to realize that scriptures tell us there were only 12 Jesus-appointed apostles. Jesus' earthly ministry and revelation both reflect this. So the bottom line, both Matthias and Paul cannot be the 12th apostle. So let me introduce you to another contradiction commentary. This is by JesusWordsOnly.com, and I'm just going to read you a quick excerpt. However, Paul repetitiously claimed he was an apostle, yet not once did Jesus ever call Paul an apostle, even by Luke's quotations taken from Paul's claims to his encounter with Jesus. Read for yourself Paul's vision accounts in Acts 9, 22, and 26. In these three accounts, the Jesus whom Paul met said Paul would be a, in Greek, martus, that means witness, not an apostolus or apostole, which means messenger. And, you know, we went over the three accounts of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus in great detail in the first part of this series, which was episode, easy to remember, 1111. Um, so is Paul just a witness? Is he just a martus and not an apostole, a messenger? Okay, that's a good question, and I think that one of the things we need to understand, first of all, it's interesting that they asked 
that made sure we wanted Matthias to be a witness. Okay, they're, so they're focusing on that. But the the idea that um, what, what let me let me back up. What we need to do is understand how the calling actually works. So let's go back to uh, another soundbite. Is supposed to, uh, Paul supposed to be the um, the twelfth apostle from the new life of Albany Church, because they bring in another aspect of potentially the Holy Spirit in action. You know, we talked about the John twenty verse and said, okay, not not so much. Let's take a look at this one. Since Jesus, according to Luke twenty four, opened the eyes of the apostles that they could understand things, that the apostles didn't get it wrong by getting. Matthias to be the twelfth apostle. Now you might say even if they did, whatsoever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatsoever they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And But I just don't think they got it wrong. Okay, Julie, go ahead. Well, this Luke 24, 45 says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And I'm guessing that this is how they even knew that there was going to be a replacement for Judas, that there needed to be this 12th. Um, but again, I'm not sure if that gives me, is Paul a witness or a messenger? Okay, well, it doesn't give you that yet. Okay, we're not there yet. But what that verse does, that's Luke 24, 45, is this pastor, I think, is dramatically misapplying that scripture. Because... The context of it was Jesus appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus. Remember, they didn't recognize him, and he started telling them prophecies. And then they come back, and they say, you know, okay, it was Jesus. We're not our hearts burning within us. And then Jesus appears into the room with them and, and, and starts talking to them. And he said to them that the story of my life, the story of these things, was revealed in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He didn't open their minds to make decisions. He didn't open their minds to heal. He didn't open their minds to, to, to uh, be able to forgive sins. He said he opened their minds to the scriptures. This is where Peter got the ability to pull those scriptures together. Because if we notice, in all of Peter's words before this, he never quotes scripture. So Peter suddenly started to quote scripture before Pentecost. Why? Because Jesus gave him the ability to understand the prophecies. So no, this doesn't give us apostle versus messenger yet. But again, it's a misappropriation of what the eyes opening was for. It was specific. And we can't just say, well, their eyes were open so they could do anything. The scripture tells us what they were able to do. Okay? So... Um, Let's get down to how does the calling actually work. See, here's the thing, and Julie, now we get into the issue. There is no record of anyone directly called to be an apostle, Paul included. All were called to discipleship. We don't have a record of how every apostle was called, but we do have precedent. Peter, we know, was drawn to Jesus three different times over a long period of time. The first time he was drawn, he was told by Jesus, your name will be changed. The second and third time he was drawn by Jesus, and these were months apart, are reflected in what is said in Matthew 4, 18 and 19. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, so he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So when Jesus called Matthew, Jonathan, how did it work? 
Well, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me, and he got up and followed him, and that's found in Matthew 9.9. Okay, so Matthew's response was pretty much immediate. When he called Philip, how did that work? Well, in John 1.43, the next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So we see this consistent follow me in the calling of those three specific apostles. Now, the idea of follow me is a clear theme throughout all of Jesus' ministry to all of his potential disciples who weren't going to be the 12 apostles. We know that. Let's go with Matthew 8.22 to start. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury the dead. Okay. And another one, Rick, is Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And lastly, in Mark 10, verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So follow me is again and again and again and again and again repeated in terms of drawing individuals to Jesus. No one was called to say, come be an apostle for me. Nobody, not even Paul. They were given that right to apostleship, and we'll see in the next scripture we read, at a very specific time, under very specific circumstances. So, so Julie, to get back to your, your question, okay, uh, messenger versus apostle, it makes perfect sense that when the apostle Paul, and I call him the apostle Paul, was called— uh, you know, on the road to Damascus, he wasn't called to be an apostle because that fits the exact pattern. Nobody was called to be an apostle, but everybody was called to follow Jesus. So to begin the answer is, of course, he's not addressed right at the beginning as an apostle. Of course, because nobody else was either. That would set in a very unusual precedent. We don't have that here. Okay, now let's move a little bit further and get into when the apostles, the twelve, became the twelve. And this is interesting. The only time Jesus calls the twelve apostles by that name is when he collectively named all of them the twelve apostles. And there's, there's a few different accounts. We're going to look at the Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16 version of the naming of the twelve apostles. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called the, his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. Simon, who was named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, who was also known as Thaddeus, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Okay, so what we have is a very clear, definitive naming process. Jesus spends the night in prayerful consideration, and when, a day, when day comes, he calls not all, but some disciples, I don't, I don't know how many, 20, 30, who knows, and then from that group, he names the 12 apostles. And the interesting thing is this is done privately, this is done quietly. This is not in a public place. This is away from the fanfare. And Jesus is very clearly appointing 12 specific individuals. 
Oh, I've got a question though. How did Jesus not know that Judas was going to betray him? You know, if he had called a thousand apostles and one turned out bad, okay, but this was only a one in 12 shot. Was Jesus's judgment off somehow? Okay, you know, that, that actually is a good question. And the well, thank an- you. <laughs> <laughs> the answer I would give is go to the first scriptures that the apostle Peter ever quotes in scripture. And what it says is there are prophecies that um, that show us there is a betrayal. And Jesus knew ahead of time there would be a betrayal. Now, here's the thing. It's not necessarily true that Jesus knew Judas was the one. We don't know that. We don't have, we know that it says he would become a traitor, but we don't know that he was inherently a traitor. And the fact that it says he would become one indicates that he had a good character, that his heart was right and he had the ability and the potential to rise up to the responsibilities Jesus was calling for him. So, Julie, what Jesus knows is there are 12. I will be betrayed because the scripture says so. I, did he know who? I don't know. I don't know because Judas wasn't a traitor at the beginning. So, look, you look at the Apostle Peter and you look at all of the things that he did and the things that he did wrong. Yeah. He, who knows? He could have gone down that road if circumstances were, were a certain way. We don't know. So, so they both have free, they all have free will. Right. And you think maybe they st- all started out sincere, but perhaps in Judas's case, his passion for money grew so strong until it, it knew no bounds and corrupted him. Right, right. Okay. And, 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 you know, another reason for that is Jesus, you know, the scripture in Hebrews talks about, we don't have a high priest who has not been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was tested in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Understand one of the hardest human experiences to ever go through is that of betrayal. And I think it was, it was necessary for Jesus to have to experience that by a close friend who's sharing his last meal with him. And how does he betray him? With a kiss. I mean, so you get the sense that it was part of the experience, that it was going to happen, and it was all within the providence and plan of God. Make sense? Yes, thank you. Okay, so, so Jonathan, you know, it, it says he named them as apostles. Let's just, what, what's that word specifically mean? It means a delegate, uh, but it also brought out specifically an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ, apostle, with miraculous powers. Okay, so the point here in this segment is that the Apostle Paul was not immediately dubbed an apostle by Jesus. Why? Because nobody else was either. All of the other followers of Jesus were with him for a period of time, and at the right time. See, Jesus always did things at the right time, and you can see that through many, many scriptures. According to the will of God, when the time was right, he brought it before God in prayer, he got the answer, and then he appointed 12. Now, here's the important thing. Jesus only appointed 12 apostles. He did not appoint anyone else. Others are called apostles, but they're they're sent out by other followers. Jonathan, go ahead. And Rick, he did it privately and quietly. And there were other witnesses with them. Weren't there other disciples along with the 12 that he named apostles? Yes. Yeah. So you had the witnesses there. 
to 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 verify, but it was done out of the fanfare of the public domain. And I think it was done that way to make sure everybody stayed humble. Uh, because, you know, if, if Jesus is saying, and you are one of the 12, you know, you know, you don't want that. That's not what this was about, because it's inevitably about service. So the seriousness of naming, this naming, this, this team of the 12 is obvious. These 12 would become Christianity's absolute foundation. And that's what we have to really, really focus on here. So as we examine all the factors that influence our conclusions, we see how serious the matter of apostleship is. Do Paul's personal experiences in becoming a disciple and apostle fit in with what we have seen? Personal Bible study is so rewarding. So many of our listeners have asked if we could provide an online Bible study course. We're happy to announce a new library of thoughtful questions based on each episode's CQ Rewind show notes. Each study is a compact, single page of thought-provoking questions with scripture references and more. These are perfect for your individual study or small groups. Go to ChristianQuestions.com, then click on Bible study in the main menu to get started. What's next in our audio study, Rick? Well, here we need to pay close attention to the details because Paul's experience in coming to Christ is vastly different than what we have seen. Up to this point, Jesus is meeting potential followers halfway. He sees their lives, likes what he sees, and he invites them. With Paul, Jesus stood in his way and challenged him. I mean, literally, the the light comes and Jesus is standing in the way of Saul of Tarsus and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Very, very different calling, if you will. So let's, you know, Jonathan, you had had asked a question earlier that I I really didn't didn't answer. And, you know, you talked about um, the gap between Saul and David being king. And, and it, the point was, there's this, there's this lag, there's something that doesn't seem to fit exactly in order. You know, right. if, if David is anointed, how come he's not king the next day? Exactly. Because God's plan works that way. We like it to be all exactly in order, one thing after the other, after the other. It's not. It's not. And we can see countless examples of God's of overlapping, of time passing that you think is too much, because that's the way God works. So this, I think, really does play into factoring how the Apostle Paul actually is that 12th apostle, and not just a representative of Jesus uh, going about. Now, Julie, I will mention that we still have not fully answered your how come he's not called an apostle by Jesus question. Okay, and we're going to have to get to that. And the bottom line, let me give you a quick answer, is we don't have any record that he is. Okay, simple as that. There is no record that Jesus says, Paul, you are the 12th apostle. There is none. So how do we know? Let's unfold that as we go. Okay, so let's remember important pieces of the context. So let's review back to uh, Acts 1, 6 through 8. Here Jesus is, is Jesus' proclamation as to what will be happening once the Spirit is working in them. So he's showing them what's going to be happening soon. When they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. 
So we had in Greek that word martus was translated witness and that apostole was apostleship. So Paul wasn't called to be an apostle. He was called to be a witness. Right. But so was everyone else. Right. And that's the thing that we have to get into our heads. This, he was called under very different circumstances, but called to the same things. And so we need to, well, and, and we're going to unfold that further as we go. But you're right. He's called to be a witness like the others. So Peter, now again, let's go back to Acts 1, 21. Peter himself said they needed that 12th individual to be a specific kind of witness. So not just a witness, but a very specific kind of witness, just like Jesus had told them in that uh, previous verse. So John, again, this is review. Let's just read it again because it helps to make the next point about the Apostle Paul. Acts 1, 21 and 22. Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Okay, so become a witness of his resurrection. They were he, very specific. Peter is specific because he listened. Okay, so listen to this next soundbite. This is going to tell us one of the big qualifications to be the replacement apostle that Peter announced in Acts one twenty-two. There were strict requirements to be part of the 12. You had to have been with Jesus from John the Baptist until the resurrection and until this point in time in history. Paul wasn't there, okay? He was not qualified. But like you said before, many of the apostles, the, the true apostles that are undisputed, weren't there either. So several of them, including Peter, did not meet that qualification. So my question is, why would he make up qualifications to be the 12th apostle that he himself couldn't meet, speaking of Peter? And somehow this implies that Matthias and Barsabbas were there when Jesus was baptized, but Paul definitely did not meet it. Um, so, say the pro-Matthias folks, Paul, Paul didn't meet it, he's disqualified. Okay, well, the, the first thing to remember is, where do we get that qualification from? The words, Peter, right. Peter made it up. Right, the words of Peter. And Peter did make it up. We have no indication anywhere that... Uh, you had to be, as a matter of fact, Matthew, Matthew's a tax collector. Jesus is out preaching. Matthew's sitting at the booth collecting taxes. He wasn't there at the very beginning. He's working. And, he, and, and, and Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. And then he leaves. He wasn't there the whole time. You know, so we get this sense that Peter, now why would Peter, quote, make something up? Here, here's the thing. You know, you have to deeply appreciate the intensity and the sincerity of Peter. He has just witnessed, first of all, he's witnessed his own denial, okay? That's hard enough. But he watched Judas actually betray Jesus to his mm. death, okay? So I really believe that Peter's looking at that saying, we need to be sure. We, we need, need a solid, right. solid guy that can hit the ground running. Yes, somebody that is absolutely already proven their reliability, even when they didn't think they were, they were being tested, that's the kind of person we want. We want that person to stand with us because that way we can be sure that they're going to stay the course that we all need to stay. So I really get why Peter would have said that, because you want to be sure, and you want to glorify God. I mean, there, there is no hint of pride in any of this. There is a sense of, 
God, we want to make sure that this, this individual is exactly what will fulfill the requirements of being one of the 12, because they all knew the 12, like Jonathan said much earlier, 12 is very, very important. So now let's look and compare Paul's calling, um, being called to Jesus. Because remember in the last segment it was, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. It doesn't quite, quite go that way with the Apostle Paul. Or does it? This is Acts 26, 14 to 18. This is the Apostle Paul relating his experience on the road to Damascus to King Agrippa. And when he had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So you've got this experience, Paul is before this king, and he's saying, these are the things that happened to me. And he's, and he's quoting Jesus, and he said, to appoint you, Paul, a minister and a witness. Now it's interesting, we've talked about the word witness several times, but he says to appoint you a minister and a witness. What does the word minister actually mean here, Jonathan? This one's fascinating. It really is, Rick. It means to row, an under oarsman that is generally subordinate. An under oarsman. So on a rowing team, you have the guy in charge, and then you've got the under oarsmen, those people that do what the guy in charge says. <laughs> what a what a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you you wouldn't even think about it being in, in those times, but you know, you've got that sense of somebody who has to do the hard work at the behest of the one giving the commands. Okay, so why didn't why didn't Jesus just say follow me like he did to the others? Well, he did. However, he said be an oarsman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, he did. So why why that? Well, think about this. I mean, and it makes absolutely perfect sense. Follow me because Jesus is standing literally physically in front of them and walking the earth with them every day. When he says, follow me, he literally means, I'm going to go walk to Jerusalem, and I want you to walk with me. I'm going to walk to Galilee, and I want you to walk with me. I want you to listen to what I'm saying today, tomorrow, and the next day, and then we're going to go here, and I want you to come with me. That's what follow me was. Well, Jesus is in heaven now. We can't do that. So he says, follow me, by saying, be subordinate to what I say. Be like that under oarsman. You're going to have to work hard. And do the things that I command you to do. And that's the same as following him. Except he's spiritual, we're earthly. So I think he did say follow me just in different words because the context of following was not a physical following of another physical being. Okay, so to be a minister is to be subordinate, which by definition actually means that you follow. Luke chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of these things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
Okay, and that word for servants is the same word as under oarsmen. So, you know, Paul is not just making this word up, so to speak. It is used in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, talking about the gospel of Luke, that it's, it's um, the stories handed down, the accounts handed down by the eyewitnesses and under oarsmen of the word, those who served, worked hard to verify and keep the word sacred. So you've got this whole big picture. So now, Julie, you know, with the Matthias camp and with us here in the Apostle Paul camp, we still do have the issue, no question about it, of Jesus not saying, hey, you're the 12th apostle. But what we also now have is the ability to say Paul was called to do exactly the same things as everybody else was. He wasn't out of—he may have been later, but he wasn't out of the context of what Jesus' work would be about. To be fair, Jesus never called Matthias. He had nothing to do with Matthias. Well, see, now that, that's an important point, is that when they appointed Matthias to be the 12th apostle, it says they cast lots and they prayed to God. So Jesus was completely out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Who appointed the 12 apostles? Jesus. They were his, apo- they were his apostles. Did Jesus appoint any other apostles? No. He just appointed the 12. So to take Jesus out of the appointment picture, I think is one of the biggest holes in that argument. You have Jesus nowhere to be seen. You have Old Testament traditional ways of trying to find God's Mm -hmm. will. You have God, and you have those who are really sincere and praying hard. All of those things are good, but it's not the right answer. Yeah, that's a good point. What, what does an Old Testament method have to do with this new Christianity? Right. Nothing. Exactly, exactly. And we're going to get more into that next week, actually, as we talk about uh, Jesus and the law and the Apostle Paul and the law. So to be a witness is to exactly fulfill what Jesus required before his ascension, and that's what the Apostle Paul was described as. There'll be more on this in the coming segment. For Paul to be designated to go to the Gentiles is also exactly what Jesus required. He's, he said, I want you to go just before his ascension, to go out to, the, to, to all of the world with the gospel. Well, Paul did that bigger and better than anybody else in all of Christianity. So let's drop in on one more detail before we close this segment. Jesus speaking to Ananias. Now, this is after the Apostle Paul's conversion, but this is important because it's a third party in terms of understanding and witnessing what happened with Jesus. So John Acts, uh, uh, Jonathan Acts 9 Uh, 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, Ananias, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And this word chosen instrument shows something, I think, to Ananias is this guy is special for some reason. Uh, Even though he was an enemy, I've got to follow through here. And, you know, think about the several abilities of Saul before he was Paul, his background of knowing the law, his zeal, his courage. Paul was the perfect choice, but he needed to develop into that choice and prove his worthiness for that choice because he wasn't called, I I agree with you, as an apostle. He was a disciple first. You know, he is the classic, the classic diamond in the rough. You can't recognize it, but it's in there. And Jesus knew it and called him 
you're right, to be a disciple and grow into apostleship. And we'll, 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 we'll really touch on that in the next segment. So Paul is clearly directed to represent Christ to the Gentile world. Ananias was witness to it, and he heard the words of Jesus himself in relation to it. Look, it cannot be a coincidence that Paul as a convert is described exactly the way the other apostles were. What about the matter of being a witness? Paul did not actually see what the 11 apostles saw. Are you just getting started in your Bible studying? Or are you a weekly listener looking for more after the podcast? Go to ChristianQuestions.com, then click on the Bible study tab to see our concise companion Bible study questions. One of the most faith-strengthening aspects of being so particular about grasping real scriptural truth is we often find answers in several different accounts. And this actually verifies authenticity. If you were trying to deceive someone, you'd conveniently and obviously line up all your evidence right up front. And you know, for those who say that Paul is this interloper and trying to create this deception, it's awfully hard to make the proof the way Paul does things. Okay, you know, so it gives you a sense of actual authenticity when we look at this whole picture. So, Julie, as we get into our final segment here, where, where are we going to go next? Okay, well, let me present you with another contradiction so we can vet out this witness business. So critics say that Paul in 1 Corinthians proves his knowledge that there are 12 apostles existing before him. So it's he knows that there's 12 and that he's not one of them. So if Jonathan, if you could read 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 5. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Okay. Okay, so this is, he is telling, he's retelling the story of when uh, Jesus, after his, after his resurrection, came and appeared to different groups. He appeared to Peter, he appeared to the Twelve, and when he appeared to Peter, then the Twelve, Paul just excluded himself. In other words, the Twelve had been reestablished before Paul's own conversion, is the argument. Okay. Well, first of all, let's be, be, be logical. Uh, this is when, he's, when Jesus is appearing is long before Matthias is, is given uh, a vote, you know, according to the casting of lots. So Matthias isn't even one of the 12 at this point. No, no, not even close to being one of the 12 at this point, because this, this would have been early on. So he's, he's a month away from even being thought about, okay? So to say that, well— you know, the Apostle Paul is, is, uh, is, is proclaiming there were 12 already. Oh. Remember, Jesus said they were, taught, they were called the 12, okay? And my, my personal contention here is that Paul is using the name the 12 to recognize the body of the only appointed apostles by Jesus. Why would I say that personally? I think that um, we need to go to back John, to, to John 20. Remember we, we talked about that with the breathing of the, the Holy Spirit and all that? Yeah. yeah. Let, let's go to the, the context of that again, because something is said there that John, if we're saying Peter's excluding himself, 
you know, then John is making a grave mistake as well, because this is also long before uh, the, the Ascension and Matthias comes into play. So Jonathan, let's just go to John uh, chapter 20, but only verses 19 and 24. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, wait a minute. At that point, there were only 11, right? Because Judas was gone by now. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is, this is after Jesus is raised and he's, 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 you know, appearing. So there's only 11. So why does it say Thomas, one of the 12, when it was really Thomas, one of the 11? And see, I think the answer is really simple. It says Thomas, one of the 12, because 12 were called, 12 were appointed. There were 12 uh, individuals that Jesus himself appointed, and they were called the 12. Whether they were all there or not, they were called the 12. So Paul, I think very simply, is quoting from John. He's, he's, Paul wasn't there. How did he know that, that Jesus first appeared to Peter and then to the 12? Somebody had to tell him. So maybe he talked to Peter, maybe he talked to John, maybe he talked to both of them, maybe they painted this incredible picture for him, and they, John uses the phrase, the 12. So we can't say that, 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 Peter, that, uh, that Paul is, just, is writing himself out. He's just using the name of authority, the 12 apostles. So it's like when you say Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus was not with them and it was only 11, Thomas is and always would be one of the 12. Exactly. So saying that is not wrong. I, I feel like it's calling like, you know, they call Barack Obama, Mr. President. He's not the president anymore, but he still gets that title. There's still right. that, that office title that these, these appointed apostles get to be a 12th apostle right. or one of the 12 apostles. Right. And remember, Jesus only appointed 12. Judas is off the scene because he's unfaithful. A replacement, according to Scripture, is necessary. You need the 12th appointed by Jesus, not by the need arising and feeling like you have to, something, to do something about it, but Jesus has to be the one. Why? Because he was the one at the beginning. To me, that's an inescapable fact. So we need to take that and go, go a little further. Now, a few verses later in John chapter 20, the whole group, all 11 at that time, were together, and Jesus appears again. And this is the event that Paul is quoting in 1 Corinthians 15, 5. So Jonathan, just quickly, John 20, 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, and the doors having been shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. So, you know, it's interesting that we talked about the drawing of the apostles, you know, and follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Jesus, now that he is, has been raised from the dead and is before his ascension, is always saying, peace be with you. He's always calming them. And I think one of the reasons for that is because they need to wait for further instruction. They need to just be focused that, on the fact that Jesus is risen and God will show them. Just wait for the things to unfold before you. So Paul is quoting this specific event for, for a specific reason. He's showing how each of the apostles and many followers literally became witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Now, 
Remember the qualification that Jesus said, you will be witnesses of my resurrection? And remember that, that, that Peter said, to, you know, as, as a reason for, for uh, having Matthias come forward, he said, we need another person to be a witness? Listen to what Paul says next, because people say, well, he wrote himself out of the equation, but he's actually showing us why he's in the equation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul cites how Jesus further appeared during those 40 days. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. Okay, so I had said 1 Corinthians verses 6 and 7. That was the precursor to the verses you read, Jonathan. That's my mistake. And those were verses 8 through 10. So in 6 through 7, he talks about Jesus appearing and appearing and appearing. And then in verses 8 to 10, he says, last of all, he appeared to me also. What's the difference? There isn't any real difference. Jesus was raised from the dead. He appeared to the 11, made them witnesses, and he appeared to, Jesus, uh, to, to Paul on the road and made him a witness as well. And that's why he says, I was last, so I am the least of the apostles. Now think about that. He's saying to us, the qualifications for apostleship have been put upon me. One of them that everybody is focused on is being a witness. I am just like they were. Jesus treated me like he treated them. And I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church first. And I love the phrase, one untimely born, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, so he's saying it's like it's like I'm out of order, and just like you gave that example with the you know with with David being anointed but never being king for years, that's like an untimely anointing. You know, Samuel, what are you doing that for? Because it's God's will that that time have to go by, and I think that's what we see here. Julie, go ahead. And one untimely born. Um, I I, I think we learned that Paul was much younger, and that he would have been too, like he was a young man when Stephen had been stoned, and that perhaps untimely born meant he would have been chosen as one of the 12 by Jesus, but he, was, he wasn't 30 years old yet. He couldn't have even been part of the original uh, appointed. Yeah, so, and, and so you've got that untimeliness for, because it's like, I, I missed the boat, but Jesus somehow came back for me. You know, and I, I wasn't right. ready. I wasn't there. It wasn't, it didn't, it didn't work. Because, that, you know, one of the arguments, I think, for the pro-Matthias argument is, you know, couldn't, couldn't Jesus have just, you know, talked to Paul earlier? That's Saul. right. And the answer is, sure, sure he could have. And Saul probably knew who Jesus was, but he was probably not in a position to be an authority yet to speak out for or against him. And he obviously came out against him as a very young man. So this is important because he's saying, I am one of the apostles, the least of the apostles, because I came late to the opportunity, but Jesus gave it to me. That's really what he's saying. He, the fact that Jesus appeared to him also, the apostle is saying, that's how he gave me the opportunity. It was through his appearing to me. And remember, Jesus came to Paul many times with many different visions. And at some point, I really believe that there was a, 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 an actual point where he says, okay, you are, you are this 12th apostle. But 
We'll, we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. Okay, Julie, what's next? Well, we still, we still don't have any direct scripture that says Paul was appointed the 12th apostle. And we just got to go back to that one where Matthias, the Bible plainly says in Acts 126, remember, and they drew lots for him and the lot fell to Matthias and he was added to the 11 apostles. So, you know, in, in looking at all that we've looked at so far, the way I think I would answer that is he was added to the 12 apostles, 11 apostles by whom? By the ones that were running ahead of the Lord and doing what they were not authorized to do, that's how they, you know, chose him. But when I think when Peter writes his epistle, we need to talk about the beginning of how he starts, how Peter writes and how Paul writes, because I think that's going to give us some 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 help in this. Okay, and, and that that ends up being really really important. Before we go to that, let's just uh, Jonathan just go back to Acts twenty six sixteen. This is Paul describing his being called to King Agrippa. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. Also to the things in which I will appear to you. So Jesus told Paul right from the start, I am appearing to you now. This won't be the last time. So we have, you don't have that direct scripture that says Paul is the apostle because Jesus said so. But you have Jesus saying, I'll be in touch in a very personal way. Now, the thing you talked about with the Apostle Peter, I think you had mentioned there's like 24 individuals in Scripture that are called apostles. That's right. Okay. Only 12 are appointed by Jesus. We're clear mm-hmm. on that. Okay? The thing is, these, all of these other individuals outside of the 12 true apostles were called apostles because they were sent. They were sent out to do work. Messengers. They were messengers. So it was appropriate. It was appropriate to call them apostles, but they weren't the apostles. Peter, when he writes, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The interesting thing is nobody calls themselves an apostle in Scripture except for Peter and for Paul. Everybody else is dubbed an apostle for this, that, or the other reason, whether Jesus appointed the Twelve or anybody else. They're called an apostle because of the work they're doing. Peter gives himself the title because Jesus gave it to him. Why can't we allow Paul to give himself the title because Jesus gave it to him? Uh, no one's disputing Peter's apostleship, right. and he's saying, I am an apostle. Right. Paul's saying, I am an apostle because he also has the authority. Right. Okay? Okay, so now, as we begin to wrap this up, let's go to something, what Peter says about Paul. Okay, this is really important. 2 Peter 3, 14 to 16. Um, uh, Actually, before that, Jonathan, you had several points, and I I, I forgot, I skipped over the note. No problem. Put it in order. And folks, listen carefully to this. After choosing the 12, these are the gifts Jesus bestows upon those 12 apostles. It's found in Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, cast out the demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Well, what about Paul? Acts 16, 16 to 24, Paul casts out demons. How about Acts 19, 1 to 7? Paul lays hands on 12 disciples to receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, where they could do miraculous things. And lastly, Acts 19, 11 through 17, Paul healed a dead boy named Eutychus. He was able to raise the dead, 
to pass on the gifts. This to me is a confirmation that he had the abilities only that the apostles could. See, and one of the important things you mentioned there, Jonathan, that, that doesn't get enough airtime is the fact that only the apostles could pass on the gifts of the Spirit. We see Paul passing them on. It's not by accident. He is a, an apostle because he can do that. So you're saying he did what Peter did. Absolutely. And nobody else in Scripture did except other apostles where we see them coming in, into play. Exactly. Now, let's, let's finish this up. We've got to wrap this up. You know, Peter calls himself an apostle. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 1, Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. They speak the same language, okay, because they're on the same ground that Jesus put them on. Here's what Peter says about Paul in 2 Peter 3, 14 to 16. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all of his letters, speaking them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, listen carefully, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. So what Peter is saying is, Paul's writings are on a par with Scripture. And he's saying his writings can be hard to understand, and he's saying those who are untaught and unstable distort his writings. He's essentially saying, don't do that. And if he's saying, don't distort the writings of the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul is saying, I am called an apostle of Jesus Christ, amen, that's that. Peter told us, we have got the closest thing that we can get, except for Jesus himself saying it. And folks, at this point, it comes down to looking at the evidence and saying, where's the evidence of, of Matthias' apostleship? Yeah, it's pretty quiet, isn't it? It was, it was quiet, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> okay, so folks, look, our final conclusion is this. The evidence overwhelmingly shows us that Paul was the 12th apostle of Christ, okay? Uh, Paul does what Peter does. Peter approves what Paul does. Jesus specifically approved of him. Both Peter and Paul call themselves apostles in their writings. Time after time, Paul does things that only apostles can do, specifically passing on the gifts, raising someone from the dead. There, and he has these revelations that would only come to those who are foundational to the Bible and to Christianity. Folks, it does seem pretty obvious to me, to Jonathan, and to Julie. The Apostle Paul is that 12th Apostle, not because we want him to be, but because the Scriptures show us in a variety of ways why he is. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do love hearing from our listeners. Let us know what your thoughts are about today's topic. Suggest future topics. Start a conversation with us at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, did the Apostle Paul contradict Jesus specifically regarding the law? We'll talk to you then. <laughs>